the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. I'm Shane Bacon. That is Marty Jertson. Marty, uh, today we're going to talk about something that I'm very interested in because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things in golf we talk about our age-old debates. I feel like this is a modern exactly. debate. This isn't age old. I mean, for years, the thought process for professional golfers and good players was get the ball in the fairway. You think about U.S. Opens and, you know, tough golf courses that we play each and every week, and players were dedicated to find the fairway first, and there was a lot of irons off tees. And that mentality yep. over the last decade or two has totally flipped. And you're seeing, I, I feel like it kind of started back in the Tiger VJ days when VJ would just pound driver up fairways and didn't care where it went. And it's yep. gone from find the fairway and that's the benefit to beat it off the tee as far as you can hit it and go find it. And that's the advantage. So today I want to discuss with you driving in terms of distance versus accuracy and what is more important. And I want to start with this. When did technology shift? When did the idea of you guys building golf clubs for distance in theory over accuracy or maybe distance being more important than in theory accuracy shift like it did for the modern day player this topic is so juicy and i think you brought up the examples of vj and tiger uh tiger was that great example where he was like 150th or 180th in fairways hit driving accuracy but he was obviously he was hitting it on average at the time back in Tiger 2000 days or whatever, like 30 yards, 25, 30 yards past the tour average. And he had a driving advantage. So um, I think it was that culmination of like, OK, Tiger's doing this. And then that con that that metric of strokes gained. And we got to get we all the industry has to give Mark Brody tons of credit for yeah, that. Absolutely. Writing his book. So it's like, OK, then we're still kind of connecting dots on those things to develop that kind of, um, uh, you know, to answer this question really is, is in, and it's really, I think, you know, this is why I love doing this podcast. It's not a binary answer. It's like, what's more important distance or accuracy in right. the answer. It's not yes or no, right? This is, there's nuance between those things. And what's really cool is that we've used some of that, like those analytics to help um, answer that question that we could talk about today, which is really fun. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of go back. I'm 39 years old. You know, I was playing high school golf in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I always felt like driving accuracy for me was the thing I struggled the most with. You know, I would always yeah. lean on the two iron. I went through a time in college and just after college where I don't want to say I necessarily had the driver yips, but I would hit this two iron all the time off tees because I could hit it in the 250 range, you know, as a 22 yep. year old and I could live with that. And and it's funny because now I feel like the most reliable club in my bag in terms of finding a fairway or having to hit a pressure pack golf shot is the driver. I mean, the driver yeah. has become <laughs> one of my, my favorite clubs in terms <laughs> of reliability. And it's just so wild to think of, like the old Shane and the way I thought about the driver versus, you know, this 2023 version where when the hole's tight, I will tee the driver a little bit lower and kind of squeeze it out there. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing all the tour guys do as well. So you're seeing the driver go straighter. It's more forgiving. I think players know that driving is super important. So they're practicing it a lot more. 
And then certainly a lot of it, Shane, which is we can get into is golf course dependent. I mean, okay. that two iron going down there, 250, you come back here to Arizona and play, play some of these courses. And that's like the only shot that the golf, that the hole gives you, obviously. So there is a golf course uh, dependent uh, condition around this, which is quite fun because then we, we build tools to help answer that question. What's more important, distance or accuracy? And today we're going to talk about this ratio of the two. Um, like what your golf course penalty is, is a big part of that equation, that calculus for you as a golfer. But yeah, I think we've seen a lot of players just, uh, both, I think embrace the analytics of it as well as, uh, the driver being more forgiving and spending more time on that technique. And I think you're seeing that kind of the modern day and what you're experiencing me and the tour players is that culmination of that intersection of both of those things. And Marty, something I do want to do during this conversation is really kind of separate maybe what a, a professional golfer or a really good amateur golfer might think on this topic versus yes. that middling handicap player. Because I do feel like, and maybe this is just me, I'd like your thoughts on this, but I feel like there's so much talk about technology in the game, and it feels like we always lean on what the pro is doing. And I've had a couple yes. of buddies <laughs> in my life that when driving went from like like leaning a little heavy on the spin to be a little bit more accurate to taking spin off of these drivers and launching it really high and trying to get the most out of it in terms of the way you're hitting the golf ball. You know, you see Rory McIlroy swing up at the golf ball so much and launch it at whatever, yep. 13 or 14, and you feel like people should be doing that. And I'm interested in your thoughts on how players, a 10 handicap, a 12 handicap, a 15 handicap, should approach driving because it's their course dependent, like you said. How do they play yeah. their particular golf course? But it's also maybe yeah. what suits the way they swing the golf club as well. Yeah, Shane, the way I like to frame this and the very simple is the the goal of a driver fitting uh, and just driving the golf ball is to maximize distance while being mindful of dispersion, right? Because <laughs> so it's like your goal is to hit as far as possible, but you want to eliminate. Uh, grotesque misses that are going to cause you penalty shots, right. out of bounds, water, what have you, right? So it's to maximize distance while being mindful of that dispersion. And for your club golfer, a gain of 20 yards off the tee is going to improve your strokes gain driving, ultimately lowering your score by 2.3 shots. So 20 yards is going to be 2.3 shots. If you're a PGA Tour player, 20 yards is one shot. Right. Because your, your your game's already, you know, everything's kind of already tightened up. Right. Uh, so to speak. So uh, that shows the value of gaining distance for your club golfer is even more important from a scoring standpoint, because after you drive it down there further, you're going to have kind of less chances to compound errors uh, between where you drive it and getting to the green. Right. So it shows that there is even more importance for the club golfer to hit the ball further. Now let's talk about accuracy. If, uh, uh, for you to gain one shot in accuracy, which is left, right dispersion, the PGA tour player, if they tighten their, their cone or their dispersion by seven yards, that would improve their strokes gain driving. That would effectively save one shot around. Okay. But if you're that same 18 handicap or club golfer player, uh, you would have to improve your dispersion by 10 yards. So you see, we got in dispersion, we got seven yards, 10 yards is one shot. But from distance, we have uh, 20 yards being 
one shot around or 2.3. So when you kind of do the math on that ratio for your club golfer, it's way more important or a bigger premium even than your tour player to emphasize gaining distance. And I think that's something we, even the good fitters out there might still have a little bit of that, that, you know, bias from the past where, Hey, we need to tighten somebody's impact dispersion. We need to get you to hit more fairways. Well, if somebody's already hitting it relatively straight, We've seen great success kind of shifting that mindset in your fitting to be a little bit more, give yourself permission as the fitter to consider a driver that might go further with uh, maybe even the same or a little bit more offline. It could be more beneficial for the player. What's been so interesting about be, getting fit in, in my time with Ping is you'll get in the right head or you'll get in a head that is going to be the one you're going to use, kind of your gamer head. And then I, and again, this is why it's so important to get fit, in my opinion, is then you can manipulate loft, you can manipulate shaft. There's so much to do. And and I feel like so much of the time golfers blame themselves for bad shots or bad swings, or to your point, dispersion issues, right? Oh, this driver's going yep. right. I'm, I must be coming over the top of it, or I must be doing something to, to, to pull this golf shot. And it could simply be that shaft isn't right in your golf club. And one of my favorite parts about the fitting process is getting the head dialed, is getting the loft dialed, and then going through those yep. processes with the shaft because that shaft can do so much in terms of kind of tightening things up. Yeah, the shaft's a big deal, Shane, when it comes to when we're talking about that, this topic of distance and inaccuracy, because you can use the shaft and the the both the stiffness properties and all the the weight and center of gravity right. properties to change that left-right dispersion, right? And a lot of times uh what you want to do is is maybe not change the shaft and the balance point to get more draw bias. It's this is to eliminate that right miss, and then your psychology is freed up. You can have more of your natural release pattern, right? Uh, type of thing. And then you can swing harder and you hit it further. And you know that 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 one out of four, one out of five foul ball to the right is no longer going to be in there. So a lot of times it's it's gaining freedom from a specific miss type of thing. But one of the fun things, Shane, in shafts, we're talking about the concept of shafts here, the topic of shafts, is how do we use shaft technology to influence this distance versus accuracy topic? And a big thing that we've done and a lot of folks, I think for a while, we were a little controversial because we had our driver at 45 and three quarters inches standard length, right? And everyone's like, oh, you know, the tour players are playing drivers that are 44 and a half. You need a tight dispersion. You go shorter, you're going to hit it straighter. All these things are kind of floating out there. We kept doing the research and we, we were like, well, we don't really see a compelling reason to go shorter as our stock length. We see that a, at a relatively longer length, the golfer's going to have their, this is getting a little technical, but shift their swing direction a little more to the right. They're going to hit more up on the ball. You mentioned Rory hitting more up, a pod, more positive angle of attack, swinging more right is generally what a lot of the club golfers that come over the top and hit the wipey uh, kind of slice out there need. But how do we have that longer length without losing, without the club getting too heavy, right? That's kind of the where we needed to innovate. And we spent a lot of time, we've evolved this technology over the last decade plus of having super counterbalance shafts. So you look at our, our quote-unquote stock shaft, we like to call them proprietary, is called the Alta CB. And that CB stands for counterbalance. Okay, And that really is the secret sauce chain of like the G430 driver 
Alta shafts being 45 and three quarter. That's the swing weight still perfect for the player. It's D2, D3, whatever we need it to do to optimize it. And we still have a lot of mass in the head. So you can go longer, doesn't feel too heavy to the golfer, but we still have that mass to get momentum. That's kind of a, all this is kind of working towards that concept. We're putting a premium on our default build to be biased for distance and while being mindful of accuracy. All right, Marty, take me back to your initial designs with the driver, because I, I can only imagine that as you're designing drivers and you're going through that process, which is so cool to see. I mean, you're literally building these new clubs. You're 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 finding. I mean, you've told the turbulator story on this podcast before, yeah. but you're finding ways to change the look or the feel or obviously the design of a driver. What are you looking for as you're going through that design process in terms of both accuracy and distance? Like, what are the numbers that get you excited? Are you gaining yeah. five yards, 10 yards, you know, ping man swinging this thing and it's a little tighter dispersion? Like, what are those numbers that you guys are looking to see before you maybe take it to your boss and go, hey, I think this is the one? Yeah, it's like trying to uh, eke out some improvements. It starts in the design world where we're just doing things on the computer, Shane. It's like just modeling, okay? Gotcha. If I change this geometry, if I could get the wall thickness thinner in this one area, if I can save some weight from the crown, if I can save some weight from the face, I can move that weight to move the center of gravity lower and deeper. When I do that, the moment of inertia goes up. And then we know predictively, because we've made like, We've made some really cool prototypes here, Shane, where we can have the same CG, but we can vary the moment of inertia. We'll put on the robot. We hit it all over the face, and we and we can kind of prove that hypothesis that higher moment of inertia will help you hit it straighter, right? But the challenge is, and this is where I think we have really done it, Ping, is we want to have high MOI, and, and this was uh, kind of a, a thought in the marketplace for a long time. Oh, high MOI drivers always spin a lot, right? Well- well, we broke through that, right? You can have you can have a high MOI driver that spins low. That's what our LST is and some of these other things. So we're really trying to move center gravity low deep at the right amount while maximizing MOI. And then the payoff to the golfer is being able to measure that both in player testing, where we see increases in ball speed, distance, carry, and dispersion, and also put it on the robot. And we put on the robot, we can heat map the, the face, hit it all over the face in a nine position test and see, okay, yes, I improved the moment of inertia on this driver design, or I changed the face shaping like our consistency. And we see higher ball speed across the, the face. We see better dispersion and then connect those dots. Ultimately, Shane, it's the player testing because that's the real world, what me and you and the our golfer out there is going to experience uh, that is the most fun to look at in our data analysis. Okay, let me ask you this. I know you've already kind of answered a little bit of this, but let's say guy A hits 14 of 14 fairways, averages 260 off the tee, versus guy B hits 7 of 14 fairways, and it's at 300 yards off the tee. Who is at the advantage in, in golf in 2023? Yeah, so if you're on an average penalty golf course, that player that's 40 yards down there, <laughs> for those same reasons we talked about, as long as... As long as those seven that miss the fairway aren't aren't crazy exotically offline, right? Okay. So as long as your dispersion grows uh, kind of like a cone, that's a good way to kind of think of it, is there's this cone out there. Um, and that ratio of distance to accuracy for the everyday golfer, we kind of talked about that a little bit, what those numbers are, is two to one. So at, for every 
two yards you gain in distance, you can live with one more yard of offline. What does this mean if you go get fit? If you go take your gamer driver, then you're going to go try our G430 with the Alta CB. might be a little longer than what you're used to. you got the launch conditions dialed in. It's 20 yards further, right? If your dispersion, most of the time we see that our dispersion decreases because of all of our technology and inertia and things of that nature. But if your dispersion is, is it doesn't grow by more than 10 yards, right? You gain 20 down the fairway. As long as you didn't grow by more than 10 yards of offline left or right, that will be a positive from a strokes gain driving or a scoring standpoint. And quite frankly, it's like, it's, it's fun. You can hit it by your buddies and things of that nature. So what's really cool is that when you can hit it 20 yards further, and this is what we quite often see, and also keep your tighten dispersion bit, or right. tighten it, <laughs> then you're really going to compound those gains. Uh, and that's where you get more into the, you know, your, your driver fit gained you three or four shots around. We see that very often. How... Do you find more distance all the time? I think this is something that consumers ask a lot about a new driver. Yeah. You know, this is the longest driver ever made. This one's going longer. I can tell you 430 is longer than 425. I mean, that's been my it personal is. experience. <laughs> it just is. But how do you keep finding this distance in these drivers while also maintaining a regulated driver by the USGA and the RNA? Yeah, I think Shane, for us, it's all about compound interest. It's 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 stacking things. It's okay. We come out with a new technology. Let's not take away something that we already gave the golfer, right? And that is really hard to do. It sounds easy, but it's really hard to do. So, and looking at the the driver we were talking about shafts is a system. So our counterbalance shafts is a super important part of for most golfers that are playing our Alta CB at forty five and three quarter optimizing the head weight uh, and being able to deliver that to the golfer. So I think stacking things like the shaft, the system design, going a little bit longer, stacking with the G430, it's the thinnest face we've ever had. And and a lot of that is is born through our modeling techniques, a lot of super compute and things we're doing on the golf physics side. It's consistency because not you don't want to go out and pick the driver that you hit the furthest with your one best shot. That's something that I think okay. we've seen our fitters and golfers get more used to is go out and evaluate drivers and look at your dispersion on all 10 or 20 shot, shots and your average distance uh, on all those hits because things like consistency are going to give you more distance when you hit it low on the face. So Shane, when you're experiencing the 430 going further, me too, uh, a lot of it is we're not hitting it perfect every time. You're teeing it low. You're hitting your stingers out there. They're going further. A lot of that is impacts that aren't perfectly centered, right? So it's adding that up. It's adding moment of inertia up. It's more ball speed through materials, face design, more club head speed through turbulators. You start stacking all these things up, uh, and that's where you get that compound interest. And, and you can have drivers, and we're, we're doing it. Uh, we're seeing it in real life that keep going a little bit further and or a little bit straighter every time we launch one out in the market. How much is the sweet spot focused in design versus around the face? Because, you know, like that hot toe has been a big talk yep. topic over the last few years. You know, if you hit the ball on that top left part of the driver, it's a miss hit, but it can still go plenty far. That was not the case, you know, 15, 20 years ago. How much, and I know you mentioned the nine spots on the driver you do with the robot testing. How much is the focus on not just the sweet spots in terms of where you're hitting these golf clubs, specifically the driver, but the miss hits? Like, how can you gain the most? out of a miss hit for the average player 
Yeah, it's huge. And we've done a lot of research on what does that dispersion pattern look like for the better player? What does it look like for your everyday golfer? And for your everyday golfer, that impact dispersion where you hit it around the face is obviously way bigger. So we put more of a priority on a moment of inertia on our max driver that's going to spin the appropriate amount for that golfer, right? Uh, because their impact dispersion is a little bit bigger. This gets pretty nuanced though, Shane, be because what we've come to find out in this kind of fresh research is that the tour player also benefits from super high inertia. And the reason why is because the consequence of their misses at more distance and more speed is more severe. So a uh, very high inertia driver for a high speed player is also super beneficial. I think the conclusion is high inertia and high forgiveness, basically what, what your question was, impact around the face is, is a very big deal for all levels of golfers. And so we prioritize that through our testing that we do. Uh, I think using the CG shifter can kind of move where that perfect quote unquote sweet spot is or where the CG is. Uh, and it's a really big deal. I think we can um, evaluate it in the fitting process. That thought, that kind of concept of the high toe shot, which is high, uh, you know, top left of the face for you, top right of the face for me, um, is a little bit that 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 idea that you need to hit it in the high toe to get your furthest distance has kind of gone away. It was okay. a it was something that exists existed uh, when when drivers had too high of spin to be perfect if you hit it in the middle of the face. So what would happen with that high toe ball? you would hit it in the high toe and you would actually lose ball speed, right? Okay. But you spun it way less. And because you spun it way less, the ball would go further. So it actually wasn't the quote unquote hotspot from a ball speed standpoint, but it was the hotspot from a distance standpoint. Now we've innovated on our drivers, moved the CG lower. Now your centered hit hopefully will have those perfect launch conditions. Right. So if you, if the high toe ball goes the furthest for you, it means that your center hit is probably too high of spin to begin with. So that's just kind of something to be mindful of uh, in the in the modern day of what, how we're kind of trying to dial in launch and spin. Marty, there was a time in I, I believe it was the early 2000s and it wasn't so much a ping thing, but some other manufacturers came out with some different designed golf clubs. And I think a lot of this was, as you said, you know, throwing some information into a computer and they basically, you know, putting out the, the output was this design is going to make the most sense. I mean, I remember there were triangle drivers, there were square yeah. drivers. Do you think we'll ever go back to that? Is there ever going to be a point where that is again, what the computer tells us makes the most sense? I think what we saw with those it, it, uh, was, Hey, you know, USG had a rule or something like you, you have a rule. Let's try to go right to the edge of the the wall of the gotcha. rule, right? So, for example, if we wanted to make the highest MOI driver uh, from a, a heel-toe impact standpoint, something square-ish might make sense. But as a golfer, Shane, me and you, we don't miss our drivers on a perfectly straight line, heel and right, toe. Totally. We miss them high and low and in, a, and in an ellipse pattern. And all of us have different ellipse patterns and shapes that are a little bit tilted. So if you get myopically focused on maximizing one thing, I think the lesson learned is that that will cost you in overall performance. So that is, I think, the big challenge that we're after in product development and fitting in this topic of distance versus accuracy, there's nuance to all these things. 
Um, and so how do you maximize overall performance? How can you have high inertia heel toe and high inertia high low and marry those two things together? And that's what our driver driver de designs have kind of been uh, geared towards that overall on the course, all around performance. You can have distance and accuracy together. It's not a, it's no longer a choice like high MOI, high, uh, high spin. You're going to hit it shorter, right? You can have both. You can have the ball speed. You can have the perfect launch conditions. You can have the MOI, and it's all positive sum. And it's going to compound together. Marty, uh, I mean, shout out to the stack system for this because I'm sure this is an answer at times. But what do you think or what do your fitters tell you when they have players come through? How often are they speaking of, I want more distance versus I want to hit it straighter? Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm I mean, assuming almost it's, exclusively. I'm assuming you it's heavily it distance. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm assuming that's the that's the point people make is I want to hit yeah. the ball longer. Yes, it is. I mean, we do run into the scenario, which is um, you know, you get some players that hit like foul balls, right? That that's what you don't want, right? That that's where we can do some things in the club design to help eliminate the foul balls. You might need to work on your swing a little bit. As long <laughs> as you're not hitting the foul balls, exactly. As long as you're not hitting the foul balls, uh you should be focusing on distance to accurate versus accuracy at a ratio of 3 to 1 uh if you're a tour player and 2 to 1 uh if you're a club golfer. We have some great examples of the Shane like Victor Hovland is an awesome example of this from, let's see, 2020 to right now, he has gained like eight to 10 yards. If you go to data golf, look up his data, he has gained eight to 10 yards and he's lost like one or 2% accuracy, but his strokes gain driving per round. So he's an example that gained distance, lost a little bit of accuracy, but the net uh, benefit I think is he's, he is strokes gain driving improved like point three shots around somewhere right in there. That's a shot of tournament, right? And the distance he's gained and the speed is, is, is helped his iron play. And, and Shane, one thing we, we interviewed Joaquin and we also know this about Victor, both of them play a driver that's 45 and three quarter or Joaquin's like almost 46, right? Okay. Um, so give yourself permission I think for for the listener out there to consider a driver over 45 and a quarter, right? Um, our tour average, I did a poll on Twitter, actually. I said, hey, what do you think the average uh, driver distance is with our tour staff? And I put like 44, 44 and a half, 45, 45 and a quarter, something like that. And I kind of did it in that way on purpose. The right answer is 45 and a quarter. What most people picked was 44 and a half. I cannot believe people still think the average driver length is shorter than it actually is. And again, a lot of that goes to the fact that our driver is so forgiving, you can play a little bit longer. And Victor has really uh, enjoyed that. Marty, I know you're always a guy that's trying to simplify this for the player. You're always looking at online tools and things to get to your fitters to make it easier for someone at home to understand because there's so much nuance that goes into these types of topics. Is there a tool you're working on or a tool you have developed that can help people kind of understand driver distance versus driving accuracy and maybe kind of marry those two things together. Yeah, Shane, let me see if I can share my screen here a little bit. A reminder, by the way, these are the podcasts are all on YouTube. So uh, if you ever want to see what Marty's talking about, if he mentions that, just go to YouTube and, and check it out because a lot of these tools are very, very helpful to understand. 
Yeah, so this one, Shane, is super cool. And this answers that nuanced question, like what is more important, distance or accuracy, right? So you can go into this tool. This tool is awesome. We use this tool. This is in our pink copilot. So our fitters will have access to this. We've been using it internally at the Proving Grounds, kind of proving it out, using it with our players. And it's basically like a strokes gain calculator to determine, hey, I'm hitting this driver a little bit further the dispersion is this because it's hard to like take two drivers in a fitting and go simulate fairways hit or take them on the course and things of that nature. That's what tour players do. We want to build a tool that gives you that same level of access. So we built this tool. It's called Club Compare. And you can go in here and pick like, okay, I got the G430 versus my gamer. And you can put in how much the distance you're hitting the 430. And then you take this number that you can get on a launch monitor. So this is really cool. You can actually have a, a measurement of your dispersion and either in a track man or foresight, both, both of them, it's kind of this plus or minus of side or plus or minus of, of, of offline. And that gives us a quantitative metric for your left, right dispersion. So you can go into this tool and put in your offline that you had with the 430 in your fitting. They could say, okay, my, my gamer, I came in with. Uh, went a little bit shorter and this, the dispersion, let's say the dispersion was the same, but you picked up like 10 yards. And this also answers that question of nuance, Shane, if, of it's dependent on your handicap. So if you're a higher handicap golfer, it's going to have that intelligence in there that's going to put more importance on distance relative to accuracy versus uh, a tour player or a lower handicap golfer. So you will get right here. You see, we caught, okay. We had the same dispersion. We gained 10 yards and I think I put in 18 handicapper. That's 1.1 strokes gained from your distance. And obviously you have the, you had the same offline. So the strokes gains is not going to be an improvement in offline, but your total strokes gain is going to be 1.18. And we give you this little picture of on course. What does that mean for you from an ellipse standpoint? So this tool, let's go in here real quick and say, okay, let's say if your dispersion with your gamer was also, we, so we gained distance and decreased dispersion. You click find a winner, right? And you will get now you gain 2.6 strokes gain driving. We 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 have you hitting it further and tighter. So not only can you use this tool to compare your gamer versus R430 if you go get fit for, you can also compare, I want to try the 430 at a longer length, different shaft versus the 430 with our tour shaft shorter and do that AB comparison and get some real quantitative analytics uh, on, on a driver comparison in a fitting. Uh, so our fitters here at the proving grounds have been absolutely loving this tool. Yeah. And, and for those that are listening that aren't watching this on YouTube, I mean, just to kind of, you know, talk you through how simple this is when you input, you put your handicap in, you put how difficult your golf course is. There's three options in terms of your home club and where you're playing easy, medium or hard, which is very, very important, obviously to understand where you're playing your golf. And then from there, you just basically to Marty's point, can input and use this slider device to compare the 430 versus the gamer you're using and boom, you hit a button and it explains it both with picture and information. So uh, I love Marty. I love this stuff. I love what you're doing in terms of the technology, not just for the player, but for your fitters at home, because it's not always easy to explain to golfers what you're trying to have them understand. This helps them understand that without the fitter having to slam it in their head. 
Exactly, Shane. And I think you brought up a good point that I actually missed on the tool is you put in your golf course difficulty. So right. let's give some real life examples of, to, in Arizona. A very hard penalizing driving course here would be like Troon Country Club or Desert Forest, right? Right. So if you play most of your golf there, you can put that in. And now that priority is going to be way more geared toward dispersion over distance. Let's say you, you put in Papago or Dobson or something like that. Yeah, that would be quote unquote easy driving course because there's not a lot of penalty, right? On the and we actually develop those metrics based off of Kapalua on the PJ Tour. Okay. Is quote unquote the easiest driving course. It has the least penalty. You can kind of hit it anywhere. Then a very hard driving course is uh Honda uh event. Uh it was a PJ National. Yeah. Very uh penalizing if you miss the fairway. So that kind of gives folks a spectrum, and that's what's important to consider where you play golf. Obviously, if you move all around, play all over the place, you'd put medium because that kind of handles everything. But this tool handles all that level of complexity, math, and nuance, and it makes it super actionable for our fitters. So you can have this conversation and go figure out what's more important, distance versus accuracy for you in your fitting. So bring it back to the start, Marty. It sounds like we have an answer here. It sounds like there is an answer to the question, what's more important? And it feels like <laughs> in 2023, distance is more important. Is that fair to say? It, distance is more important. It's not a binary question, but if you if we frame it that way, distance is more important. Uh, but But we've cracked the code. There's a ratio. There's a ratio of distance to accuracy, and uh, we got tools. Uh, to evaluate it, it's important for both fitters and and golfers alike to kind of understand that ratio. And hopefully, this has helped some fitters give give yourself permission to consider having your driver go further. Our high inertia allows you to get away with it. Our shafts, our counterbalance allow you to go to a little bit longer. The tour players are playing longer length drivers than you think. Victor, Joaquin, all these guys. So, uh, hopefully, this has uh, helped help folks. Uh, and it, quite frankly, Shane, it's fun to hit it far. It's a lot more fun. I'll say that. It's more fun when you're bombing it by your buddies. How exactly. often is distance brought up by tour players? You mentioned Victor. You've obviously mentioned Joaquin. Tony is a guy that's kind of effortlessly long. I mean, he can hit it much further if he wanted to on tour, but he's a little bit more of the guy that's kind of taken distance off to hit a little bit more controlled T-ball. How often are they talking about distance on a week-to-week basis, considering how obsessed it feels like we are with the players that hit it the longest? Shane, that is a such a great question. The super long hitters like Tony, he used to be yep. longer. He could hit it longer. We've seen him hit it 400 yards in Utah if he right. wanted to, right? The guys who are already really long, they're, they just want to be mindful of the, dis, the dispersion because okay. after you hit it so far down there, there's kind of a there's an asymptote that you reach or a, a ceiling that you reach where hitting it for Tony to hit it 10 yards further won't actually gain him that much. Like it's more about hitting the fairway. But if you're Victor, who was more average speed four years ago when he first came on tour, now he's way above average. But when he was average, I mean, I played with him in the Phoenix Open and he was, I was hitting it by him, you know, a little bit. And but and he was he was asking me about it. He was, you could tell it was on his mind. Like, man, I wish I could carry those bunkers that are Right. That those cross bunkers that Tony doesn't have to worry about, but I do like, this is very agitating. Yeah. Like the bunker on three, the par five. It's like, if I can just kind of get it past those, oh, effortlessly, yes. then it makes that a par five. Now as a par four. Yeah. So that is on the mind. So your tour players that are average speed and below, it's always on their mind. 
And we that's where you see them doing speed training. They're working on the stack. They're the ones that asking us, hey, trying a different shaft, trying to go a little bit longer, experimenting with it. So it's the you have these two groups, I would say. The ones that are average and below, they're trying to eke out because they know there is that real value. And then you have the the players that are super long. They're more about being mindful of 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 uh you know hit, hitting more fairways. Marty, have you seen Tony just go after like just unleash one? Because I mean, you know, you can see it. When he's playing torque off, you can see that it's 70 ish percent. Have you seen him really go after one before? Not lately, Shane, but when he was playing like the mini tours and yeah, on the yeah, big yeah. break and all that stuff, that's when his swing, that's when he used to used to go after it. So I remember seeing him do that like, you know, 12, 12 years ago, 12, 14 years ago when he was when he was playing the little mini tours and his swing was you know, before him and Boyd kind of tightened it up into the the world class player that he is. But I have not seen him do that lately outside of when he was having fun in Utah there a couple summers ago. I remember playing with Bubba years ago. I mean, this was this was probably yeah. 10, 11, 12 years ago. And I think it was the last hole we were playing a scramble. It was a charity event. And the last hole he looked at me and he goes, do you want me to hit the draw? And I said, oh, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to see it. And he hit just this dead straight ball it probably cut a yard or two but yeah. it probably went 20 25 yards longer than any tee shot he'd hit throughout the day and he kind of turned around and smiled he said did you like my draw you know and that was him <laughs> just having that he had a little bit more of a gear right he's not going to lean on that in an event maybe he does if it's an open fairway or a wide open golf course like Kapalua but he knows he can go in the bag and grab 15 more yards if he really needs to and what yeah. a benefit that is to a professional golfer to just have that back in the bag if you need it I think a good example one of the masters that he won 13 at Augusta was kind of downwind he hit the straight ball that went way down, way down there, and he had sand wedge in or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I remember when he did that. Yeah, I mean, he, he hit it like 350 over the trees, and everybody, Marty, if you remember, it was in the air, and everybody thought he'd hit it in trees, and he was going to lose the mask. Exactly. Same. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. But I've seen him here in the launch pad at the proving grounds. He's hitting his his cut that he's hitting down on it like four or five degrees, three degrees, hitting down, swinging to the right for him as a lefty like you. And hit that big cut, and then he'll he'll he is the most amazing in changing his like delivery because then one swing later he, he hits up six. His angle of attack goes from down four to up six, and he hits it like thirty yards longer. And I think the lesson learned for the everyday golfer is that straightening your um, ball flight will gain you distance. Okay, and uh, if, if you have ample speed like you. Uh, you can hit little cuts for control and and things of that nature, but you don't want to be curving it too much because then that's going to start costing you too much distance. Going back to this topic today, which is what is more important, distance or accuracy? So, you know, uh, we see the only the very long tour players hitting it with a significant amount of curve. Most of them, when they're hitting draws and fades, it's pretty minor, like your beautiful little cut you've been hitting down, hitting down there lately. Yeah, it's just so tight. When you go watch the modern day professional hit tee shots, they're just tight. I mean, they don't move yes, a whole tight. bunch. Like their their goal or what they're practicing is hitting that ball as straight as humanly possible and launching it without much side spin. And that is again yes. so different than what we saw, you know, a decade ago where players would lean a little bit more on the side spin to help them get the ball in the fairway. It's just so wild how all of this stuff yeah. changes and deviates and improves. And a, a lot of it comes down to the technology that 
people like you and, and Ping do to make it easier on the golfer. So it's very cool to see. I'm playing golf after this podcast, and uh, I'm so excited to go out there and just try to hit straight balls. Like, that's my whole oh, yeah. round of golf. Don't need to move it. Let's hit it straight. Let's get it in the fairway, and let's let the distance do its job. Shane, I called the not so dreaded straight ball because the straight ball goes the furthest. <laughs> not, yeah, don't be scared of the straight ball. And you know what else? Don't, don't be, be scared. scared of the straight putt. They go in as well. Everybody always gets so weird when the putt's straight. You go, no, just knock that in the back of the hole. Just hit the driver straight. You don't have to move it, even if the hole kind of meanders yeah. left to right a little bit. But a very interesting topic. And I think one people are going to really like because, you know, the driver has become the most important club in the bag. I think the putter used yes. to be it, but it feels like yes. the driver is the most important. And and it's the one people are the most intrigued by and the one I think people are always looking at in terms of changing the club in their bag. So a uh, great insight, Marty. And again, just a reminder, if you're listening to this, if you downloaded the podcast and you want to kind of see what Marty was talking about, go on YouTube. You can even fast forward to the timestamp in terms of when this landed and when we really got yep. in to uh, the tools, but I think it's great to visually look at what Marty was talking about because it'll help you understand the benefits of bringing up some of these tools that you guys have and some of the tools you guys have out there uh, for your fitters. Yeah, absolutely, Shane. I think what we've tried to do is like, you know, what the, you can get very confused or stuck in a fitting in even our fitters, like what numbers should I be looking at, right? So these tools that we're building into Copilot help make that super actionable. Trying to make, again, that make the complex simple. Which driver is going to be better? Like, you know, hey, this one went a little further, but that one went a little bit straighter. And, and it doesn't mean you need to lean on this to 100% make your decision, but use that with all the other things that you're experiencing in the fitting uh, to, to help upgrade your decision. And uh, yeah, this is a super fun topic. I think folks are going to enjoy this. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a never ending debate, you know, distance versus accuracy. So uh, hopefully uh, folks will level up their knowledge uh, a little bit after this pod. Marty, let's mark it down. In two years, let's do this topic again and see if it's the let's same do it. Oh, I love it. Uh, we'll, yes. do it. we'll do it in 25 <laughs> and see what comes up. Uh, that is Marty. I'm Shane, and this is the Ping Proving Grounds Podcast.